And we see this beautiful picture of both the offender and the offended mutually taking steps towards each other. Welcome to the Wrestling With Faith podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tolliver. Join me as we go on a search for deeper faith and deeper community. Hey there, it's Hannah. So glad you're tuning in. Today, we're starting a new chapter in our series on wrestling with man. So grab a Bible and turn with me to Genesis 33. Genesis chapter 33, verse 1. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau, coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you, he asked. Jacob answered, they are the children God has graciously given to your servant. Then the female servants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all, Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Esau asked, What's the meaning of all these flocks and herds I met? To find favor in your eyes, my lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, said Jacob. If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God now that you have received me favorably. Please accept the present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Joshua, and I am joined, as always, with Hannah and Tacho Coronado. How are you guys doing? Great. So good to be here. Yeah, I am super looking forward to today's conversation. This is going to be a highly anticipated episode as we talk about what it means to wrestle with man, Mm -hmm. dealing with hurt, forgiveness, uh, reconciliation. What does that all mean? But before we get into that topic, can we just talk about last week's episode? Because that was awesome. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you know, personally, last week was so ministering to me, especially as my dad, um, was able to redefine faith for me, that faith is not um, the opposite of doubt, but the opposite of certainty. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so often what I just crave in my life is certainty. And when I live in that space, I really don't make room for God at all. That was so challenging to me. Yeah. No, I feel like there were so many things that Dave said that I walked away with And I think for one, it was just really cool having an outside voice on the Mm -hmm. podcast, hearing Mm -hmm. a different perspective, especially with not only his study, but also his experience. I thought that was really cool. Um, But I love that he talked about contemplation. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes the words contemplation or mysticism are kind of like these um, mystical words that like are out of our vocabulary. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like up there, whatever. But it just, it was so down to earth. Like, no, I just take some time to journal how God moved in your life the day before. And as simple as that practice is, it's just so powerful to be in tune with what God is doing in our life, especially Mm -hmm. in moments of wrestling where it can just kind of feel disorienting. Um, But I think that was just such a powerful point to just simply stop and look for the spirit of God in your life. So that's something that I'm walking away with for sure. Uh, to really touch on what both of you are saying, the the journey of our faith um, is always going to draw us deeper. Yeah, and I think I am someone who I like to kind of cruise on the surface level of stuff because that can be easier, mm-hmm. and I expect the blessings of a deeper struggle without like the like the conflict that it brings up. And yeah. I think what he was talking about with um, Dave bringing to light that part of our walk with God is continual suffering. Like mm-hmm. that's life. Yeah. And that can sound morbid to, I think, 
if you if you just look at the surface level of it, but yeah. it's really not. Like, like I, I, I think it was you actually, Tacho, who responded to him and said, you know, we're going to struggle in life anyways. Mm-hmm. Why not do it with God? Yeah. And I think that Great life point. is hard and it doesn't, being a Christian doesn't like, um, I don't know, it doesn't absolve you of any of that. Like sure. you're going to face, we're going to face all types of hardships and crises and, and also just as we go through life, it can be hard to digest what happens to us. And I think knowing that that is going to be a part of your walk, but that's how we wrestle with God as God calls us deeper into our faith and into contemplation. And yeah. it's not just about showing up and checking it off. It, it really is a relationship that draws us deeper. That was a breath of fresh air for me. Yeah, no, no it great. really was. And and as you said, today we're kicking off a new chapter in our series, Wrestling with Man. Right. And I think you're right. I think this is a highly anticipated topic and I'm really excited to um, learn from the scriptures, learn from the Florence. They're going to have a lot of wisdom to share on that topic. Um, but before we do, I just wanted to leave us with some guiding principles on wrestling with God before we make that transition. And I think of all the things we've talked about so far, the things that have really ministered to myself and to others have been, number one, digging into your why, mm. figuring out, okay, why am I a Christian? Why do I believe the things that I do? And it's always helpful to revisit why we're doing what we're doing. Right. But I think especially when we've allowed unhealthy motivations to creep into our totally, walk with God, yeah. to totally extinguish those things, if they're external motivations, to dig into the intrinsic motivations and figure out, no, I do this because I love God. And if there are unhealthy reasons, not to throw out the conviction in and of itself, but to throw out the unhealthy reason for that conviction and go to the scriptures and figure out from a healthy perspective why we do what we do. I think the second thing is choosing to persevere in a post-honeymoon phase. I I love that Dave talked about, hey, this this is normal and it's awkward. He's like, go and be awkward together. Like, (laughs) Like we need to talk about this. Like it's okay that we're not in the honeymoon phase for the rest of our faith. And that's, that's not only it's not only okay, it's normal. And it's a good thing that yeah. we move beyond the post honeymoon phase. But yeah. we need to talk. Don't just enter into a season where things are, are weird or awkward or disorienting, but let's let's talk about how we're really feeling about mm. those things. And then lastly, embracing every season that you're in, recognizing that God loves me in every season of my faith. Like it's not mm. like God loved me more when I was in the honeymoon phase. Like Mm. God loves me the same regardless of where I'm at Mm -hmm. in my journey. And that's just so empowering that we need to embrace God's faithfulness and remember and acknowledge his presence in our life. That's great. This is a journey. And I think what's so great about even what you said is just acknowledging um, where normalizing how we wrestle Mm -hmm. is so important. I, I, I just, for our listeners, I think I just really want to encourage everyone who's a part of our community that it's okay with wherever you're at. You yeah. know, even Jesus, mm-hmm. he says in the book of Matthew in, 20, in chapter 26, he says, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Mm. I love the example that he sets because yeah. saying like, guys, I'm not doing okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not, a, and that was Jesus. Yeah. And I think we can often picture Jesus as this like, Everything was great. Everything's good. Mm. No, I'm yeah. good. Son of God, I'm yeah. good. But that's not, he was the son of God. Yeah. And he he was like, guys, I'm not okay. And I think he brought people into his life to say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm, stay here and keep watch with me. I think that's super cool, which, you know, it really does um, lead us that that our journey of faith is with people. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to wrestle with man. This is mm-hmm. relationships. We need to be open with one another. And so with that being said, why don't we dive into today's passage? Let's do it. Yeah, this is one of my favorite passages from Jacob's story, and let's go ahead and dive into that. So let's first remember for the context, back in Genesis 31, uh, God had actually called Jacob to go back to the land that he had left. And we find in verse um, 7 of chapter 32 that Jacob was actually incredibly fearful and and distressed to return home. And gosh, we can imagine why. And I think it's important to note that I don't know about you guys, but when I'm fearful and distressed, 
I don't think very righteously. I, I, I right. tend to become someone that I'm not. I act out of fear rather than faith. And that's mm. just not what we see here in, in Jacob's story. In verse three, he went on ahead of his camp to bow down to Esau seven times, this posture of humility. And in verse four, I love that Esau responds by running to Jacob, throwing his arms around him and kissing him. And where else have we seen this lingo before? We're actually going to dive into that in a little bit. And it was awesome having a, a discussion about this in our small group last night, actually. And so many people brought up great points. Um, shout out to Philip Lopez and Caitlin Torres. They, they brought up some really good points. In verse eight, Esau's kind of confused, like, what's the meaning of all of these gifts? Yeah, like what's we're, going on? Yeah. Like, like we're, <laughs> we're good. And, and Caitlin had brought up this point that like Esau had already forgiven Jacob, that it wasn't this massive apology show that led Jacob, I'm sorry, that led Esau to forgive him. Esau had already done that wow. in his heart. Mm. And then Philip brought up this incredible point in verse 11 that initially in the story um, back 20 years ago, Jacob had taken things from Esau. He had stolen the birthright and the blessing, and so it led him to flee. And now 20 years later, after experiencing a lot of life, he's now coming and bringing gifts to Esau. So there's there's a lot of, of gold nuggets here that we're going to dive into. I just love the fact that Jacob obeyed the call. Mm. There were so many things that he could have done. He could have ran, he could have manipulated the situation and he had done before, but he went, you know what? God is faithful and I need to obey the call that God is giving me. And we see this beautiful picture of both the offender and the offended mutually taking steps towards each other. Mm. Something that's so inspiring about Jacob in this passage is uh, what we've kind of surmised is him having the, the Nero ego type mm -hmm. and love of a need. I would, I mean, it's not just love, but the need of control in order for him to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And this call to go back is a, I mean, he completely is out of control. Like in a sense of like, he has no control over what Esau is going to respond with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just such a, a, such a testament to his faith, to his journey of faith. Uh, like we were saying at the beginning, like the, the certainty of how Esau yeah, was going to respond was, no was he had no idea. Yeah. And so he goes back to Esau relinquishing control to just really give it to God. And I think so often in my journey, in my faith, the, the call that God usually has, like where he wants me to go is going to involve opposites in my usual tendencies of my character. Yeah, and I point. think it just, it's so inspiring to see Jacob follow that through and just seeing what happens is so refreshing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just, I admire his courage. This could have cost him his life yeah. going back to see Esau, you know, and especially leading the way, being the first one to kind of walk out amongst um, his people and his tribes. He is the first to go out, which meant he could have been the first to be killed. Yeah. And he courageously steps out in obedience, regardless of what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, you bring up such a good point. The last thing that he had heard about Esau when he left was that Esau wanted to kill him. Wow. So he's like taking this journey back to Esau. Man, I can't imagine what was going through his mind man, this might be the very last day that I live. This might be the last day yeah. on earth that I have. And I love that you brought up the point that he didn't hide behind his camps. He didn't. Yeah. And he also didn't come armed. He mm. came trusting in God's faithfulness. Like God. Gifts. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I came with gifts. Yeah. He, he didn't come with, with the spear or, or sword or any of that. He went, you know what? Esau, here I am. I'm bowing down to the ground. If I've, I know I've blown it, and here I am. Do yeah. what you will. He could have uh, almost like if this was a movie, you know, and he had done the wrong thing. He could have like dressed up as someone else and had oh someone dress up as him, <laughs> which would have been like that. the usual trope of you yeah. know dressing up as someone else and like yeah, trying no, to disguise who he was. But he came like mature. I am Jacob. Here yeah. I am it, yeah. with all my faults. Mm. I just think that was. It's very uh, the the answer that he gives to God of just really obeying God. God mm -hmm. is that's powerful. Well, I actually wanted to ask you guys a question because what I continue to find really intriguing about this passage or about this part of the story is that God didn't call him to another land when things got hard with Laban. He said, Hey, you need to return home. And I'm sure there are mm -hmm. a lot of reasons why God did that, but I wanted to see what you guys thought about that. Why do you think 
God called Jacob to return to his homeland? That's a really good question. It makes me stop and think about the significance of, of home in the scriptures. Mm. Um, you know, I think if you look at the, if you look at the Bible from kind of a 30,000 foot view, God is constantly calling us home, mm. you know, because of the consequences of mankind's sin, we, we were cast out of the garden, mm. but God's journey of the Bible is to call us back into yeah, Eden. It's a really And so we point. see that journey throughout the whole scriptures of this calling mankind home. So God is in the is really in the business of mending what is broken mm. and he doesn't take any of that lightly. Yeah. I think he's very serious about the idea of I'm going to call you need to return home and mend what has been broken. Yeah. And so we see that not only in mankind's journey through grace and the sacrifice of Jesus and calling us home, but also in micro stories throughout the Bible, you know, men and women being called back home to deal with something that God calls them back to. And so this you know, Jacob is not um uh, ex- exempt from that in his story. God mm. God has a higher calling for him because what it, I think God had a narrative that he was writing throughout all of humanity that mm. he is here to mend broken things and call him home. Man, I love that. I feel like that could be an entire series in and of itself, exile <laughs> and return. Yeah. But that's what we see throughout the entire scripture. I mean, Adam and Eve, Jacob. I mean, the, the nation whole, of Israel. Exactly, the nation of Israel. Um, gosh, even, even when we see the New Testament writers talking to the Christians, like you guys are in exile, like this is not your home, but one day Jesus will come back to bring you home. He will make his dwelling among you. And the last scene in the Bible is God's people making their dwelling amongst Eden again, which is just so powerful. I'm really glad you said that. A true homecoming. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is I love that we've been able to watch Jacob for the entirety of his life, Mm -hmm. that we've been able to kind of follow his story through the decades. And to me, this is just like a testament to how far Jacob had come, Mm. Um, that he is now at a place where he's able to, like Josh said, like be his authentic self, come in as Jacob, not trying to be someone else, Mm -hmm. that he's obedient to God, that he's faithful, even if it means it's going to be his last day. Like, I I just feel like we've seen Jacob come so far. And I think sometimes the the reason God calls us back to deal with things from our past is to show us, like, look at how maturely you can handle this now. Like I've brought you to this place where, where you can handle these things that are a part of your past, where you do have the maturity, the wisdom, the growth to be able to face the things that you thought you couldn't face in your past. And I think that's a testament to God, but also a testament to what God is doing through us throughout the years. Yeah, man, that's such a good point. Yeah, I I think the only thing that I would add to what you guys said is this this concept of reconciliation and forgiveness. Mm. I mean, that's exactly what the heart of the gospel is. Mm. I mean, in other parts of the Bible, uh, the the ministry is called the ministry of reconciliation. Mm. Like God sent Jesus to reconcile us to him. And what we see here in in Jacob's story is a call to reconcile and forgive. And I just think about all of the negative consequences that come from not taking this call seriously. Like when we don't reconcile with people, when we don't forgive, we get into a really scary place. Mm -hmm. And I I was sharing last night with our small group that I tend to distort things in my mind when I don't reconcile. I tend to be the victim in every story when, when I don't properly reconcile and forgive. And I think what we're seeing here is, like I said, there are many reasons I'm sure God is calling Jacob back home. I mean, the promise was there. He There's so much there. But I do think his broken relationship with his brother was certainly a part of it. And when we ignore that call, man, we enter into some scary places. Mm. Whereas on the other hand, when we forgive, when we have the courage to return home, we have the courage to obey and the humility to obey, that's when we often have some really amazing spiritual breakthroughs. Mm. So true. I think God charts a path for us where if we trust his word, it will lead us through hard times. It'll lead us through the valley. And I think that can be areas where we're like, man, I, I'm, I'm at odds with these people or this person and I, I need to go back and reconcile. I need to be, this needs to be made whole again. Um, 
or I need to forgive and those situations I'm sure we'll dive into. But when we choose to not do that, I think it's important. I love what you said. Like we need to be aware that that is not God's plan. Mm -hmm. Like when we choose to ignore that call, that is a massive part about being in the community of Christ. That If you choose to ignore that, that's not God's plan. And that's, that, that can lead to scary places. Yeah. And it, it just makes me think of God as a parent. You know, he's, Mm -hmm. he sees these two brothers, his two children, and he's like, you guys got to get along. Like, I'll let you work yourselves out for a little bit of time here, but like, it's just not okay that there's this disunity in my house. You know, I think of Mm -hmm. like any good parent, they're not okay when their kids are just like fighting and constantly at odds with each other. Like parents call children to be friends and to be family. And I think God has that same call for us as our dad. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that, you know, we've talked a lot about Jacob and how he went on ahead. He bowed down, but let's not forget Esau in this story. It Mm. says that he ran to meet Jacob, embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. Mm. Let's look at another place in the Bible where we see this statement. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Great. So obviously a a very familiar passage if you've been around Christianity or you've been a Christian for a while. Um, The prodigal son, right? Where he takes his inheritance early and runs away and squanders it and realizes I need to come back home to my father. Mm. Um, A a really interesting um, book that I would highly recommend is a book entitled Jacob and the Prodigal, where Kenneth Bailey actually finds over 50 similarities between Jacob's story and the story of the prodigal son. It's Mm. a really fascinating read. But one of the (laughs) things that he points out is that the same language that is used for Esau when he ran to Jacob, threw his arms around him and kissed him was the same language that is used here in the prodigal son story, that the father ran while he was a long way off, threw his arms around him and kissed him. I think it just really demonstrates the amount of compassion, of love, and certainly forgiveness in these statements. Yeah, I I, completely, I I think it's so interesting that in this, in the story of Jacob, it's, it's the brother who wants to forgive and just throws forgiveness at Jacob and yeah. like and with no restraint. Um, and in the passage that Jesus, where Jesus is telling the story of the prodigal son, really the character of the father represents God yeah. and the character of God mm-hmm. that he has with us when we return home. Sure. And so it's, I think to me, very encouraging to see that what Esau was doing back in Genesis 33 is a direct, like, instruction of how God wants us to respond. Yeah. You know, we often think about us being in, um, in the son's shoes, you know, we think about God, oh, God forgives us. But really, Esau, like Jacob, Jesus was teaching this on the basis of Esau forgave Jacob. What a really cool comparison there. And I love that the language is directly linked. There's no coincidence at all. It's not just a coincidence. It's like, it really was, I think, Jesus was absorbing all of this from the Torah and using it to really, hey, you know these stories. This is how God feels about us. Yep. And you made an amazing point there. Another book reference for all you readers out there, um, The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen. The whole point of the book is that 
yes, we relate to the younger son. Yes, there are ways we relate to the older son. But the goal is that we become the father, Mm -hmm. that we learn to forgive others. We learn to lavishly pour out forgiveness and grace onto others. And I think what you pointed out is exactly right. This is the goal. The goal isn't just to relate to the prodigal son. The goal is to become the father. How do we learn how to forgive the way Esau forgave Jacob? How do we learn how to forgive the way God forgives us? And it's one thing, I mean, you hear this passage all the time in communions and in testimonies. I was the lost son and I've returned and I've embraced and, and been forgiven, which is awesome. We should do that. But at some point we have to go, okay, now how do I extend the forgiveness that mm-hmm. I've received? How do I extend the grace that God has so lavishly poured onto me? Which, man, there's so many, like, like I feel like, you know, when you look at a wall and you've got all these red strings, like mapping out a map and like in the movies when they're searching for someone or whatever, that's how I feel when I look at the scriptures. Like there's so many mm. little red strings that tie this verse to this verse yeah. and this verse. But one of the coolest things is that in order for Jacob to understand the blessing of God, he needed to be wounded, mm. Right. We learned that in our last episode yeah. as we talked about what does it mean to be wounded and how yeah. do we how do we become a blessing? Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to understand forgiveness, you need to be wounded. Exactly. And there is a part of our Christian walk where I don't want, I personally, I don't want to be wounded. I'd rather not be. I don't think that's abnormal. I don't think anyone wants to be wounded. Sure. But in order to truly understand the heart of God, to understand what does it mean to forgive, you need to allow yourself to get close enough to people where you will be wounded. Mm. And that to me is such a higher calling because what essentially God calls us to is you need to allow yourself, you need to open up your life to people because you're going to be wounded, but that's when you get to truly understand what does it mean to forgive, which is what God calls us to do. Yeah. And just to play off of what Dave talked about in the last episode, you know, he said, we often love receiving grace and the blessings from God and all that's great, but sometimes God allows us to get hurt. Mm. Sometimes God allows us to really be mistreated. Yeah. And, though it's hard to see in the moment, it actually leads us to maturity when we embrace it in a godly manner. Right. I mean, we we love saying, man, I'm a Christian or I'm a disciple of Jesus. Like, let's not forget, like Jesus was brutally mistreated. Right. He was brutally hurt and crucified. I mean, they killed him. Right. And we didn't see any retaliation from his mouth. We didn't right. see any retaliation physically. And I think that's just such an important point for us that part of transforming into the image of Christ is like you said, allowing ourselves to be close enough to people to where we do get hurt and learn how to forgive. Yeah. The way that I think about this in one way about like allowing our walk with God to be deep and rich is a lot like a painting. And so if you have a canvas and the canvas is white and all you use is the same colored white paint. You don't see the painting. Like you don't, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter how good of an artist you are. You just see a blank canvas. Yeah. And, and if you only add in one color, then typically you would call that kind of painting. Like it seems rather two dimensional, but really what it is, is you add in multiple colors and that's how we get these masterpieces like the Mona Lisa or, Mm. you know, Monet and things like that, because there's so many colors and textures and it makes it a rich painting. And I think often in my own Christian walk, me personally, I would like one color, which is just joy, happiness, no problems, no burdens, just a blank canvas. But that's not art. That's not beautiful. Mm. That there's, that's not real. I love what Dave said last episode. Like that's, you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that person. So we have to allow ourselves to experience life, which adds in this color. And that color might be sadness, but Mm. suddenly your life is, you understand more about the character of God as it might be grief. It might Mm -hmm. be pain. It might be physical hurt. It might be broken relationships. It might be joy, happiness, of course, as well, but that's what makes a rich painting. And I think me personally, to equate this, I mean, even to my most basic relationships with my best friends or my wife, um, when they get hard and we're going through seasons where I'm like, mm, we are not seeing eye to eye or, you know, we had a fight or yeah. this or that. It's often to typically think, oh, something's wrong. This is all wrong. It's like, no, this is this is how we grow to learn each other about each other yeah. more. We deepen the relationship. We make it richer by the conflict that we have. Yeah, Josh, I really appreciate you talking about how 
it brings color to our relationship with God when we've been hurt by other people and we really have to learn forgiveness in that. I think that's yeah. a really crucial point. You know, obviously being in the ministry now for a few years, um, I've had my, my share of hurts, I'm sure, but I think what's really coming to mind right now is how I've hurt people. And I, I'm thinking about a conversation even a couple of weeks ago that I had with a brother who um, had some feelings towards me and, and th- really just some things that I had said in conversations that were out of bounds and it made him feel like he wasn't being listened to and I wasn't mm. empathizing. And honestly, those things aren't my strength. I want to resolve quickly and I want to explain myself and listening isn't always my strength. And I had to, in that moment, really learn how to listen, hear him out, Mm. own the things that I had said or not said and apologize for that. But I also had to learn to forgive myself as Mm. even as I'm thinking about it, maybe not in the moment, but in hindsight, like, man, I really have to forgive myself of not speaking in ways that Jesus would have spoke. And I think that's something for me that just really brings color to my relationship with God. Thanks for saying that. I, I want to highlight something in, that I think is really important. You know about your character, because obviously I'm super close to you. Is I think one thing that allows you to do that is you listen to God first. And I'm really grateful for the fact that you lead me in that, because you you choose to listen to God first. Jacob had to listen to God first he had to be able to hear God sure. first before he was even able to listen to how he'd hurt Esau. Yeah. And I think in that same way, if we don't listen to God first, we're not going to be able to listen to each other. Yeah. And so I think, um, I appreciate you sharing that you want to grow in that, but I think what enables you to be able to do that is your ability to listen to God. I know you're not perfect at it. Sure. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I think that's, that's great for me to see that first is when I have a conflict with my wife, when I have a conflict with my friends, when people hurt me or when I hurt others, I have to first be able to listen to God. Because that will enable me to frame the situation the right way and listen to them. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Well, let me bring this section in for a landing before we uh, move on here. But one last thing I want to point out about these stories is that in both cases, it wasn't the gifts nor the apology that brought about the forgiveness, mm. but rather it was the relationship. Wow. That Esau was like, man, this is my brother, the father to the prodigal son. Man, this is my son. He was dead and he is alive again. So wow. we need to celebrate. I think that's so crucial for us that we need to remember that it's not about the perfect apologies. It's not about the perfect gifts. It's about the fact that we're family. Yeah. We are family. Broken and messed up, we are totally a family. And I think that's the most important thing when we're when we're baptized into the community of Christ. We need to emphasize that we're in the community of Christ, (laughs) that no family is made up of perfect people and we're going to hurt each other. And, and we have so many, so many stories in the Bible that give us a way forward on how to deal with these situations. I think what we want to do is follow the world and how they deal with these situations. But the Bible calls us forward to look at the scriptures. How does God call us to deal with hurts and forgiveness and pain and, and all this stuff? I think it's important for us to look at that first rather than um, you know paying attention to how the world would want us to deal with it. So, Taj, we, we've talked a lot about uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. Yeah. So how else do we wrestle with man? Yeah, I have a couple of scriptures in mind for that. Yeah, you bring up a good point. We have talked a lot about forgiveness and reconciliation, and we've talked about wrestling with emphasis on man, right? When Mm -hmm. we're hurt by another person, we need to forgive another person, or when we've hurt another person. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I want to do for a second here is emphasize the word with, wrestle with man. And it may sound like like a small little edit there, but the whole point is that when we're wrestling, as we've talked about many times before, we need to bring people in. Yeah. Mm. And so what I really want to highlight here, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, but the two that I want to highlight is simply speaking in love and listening in love. Mm. What do I mean by that? I mean, we're all familiar with the 52 one another scriptures in the New Testament, but I want to read through a few on speaking in love, and then we'll talk a little bit about listening. So a few that come to mind, admonish one another, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, 
encourage one another, exhort one another, teach one another, stir up one another towards love and good works. Mm. All of these one another passages have to do with speaking to another person. So I say all this to say that part of wrestling with man is being willing to love a person enough who is wrestling in their faith Mm. to say something, to Mm. encourage them, to teach them, to admonish, to correct, to Mm. rebuke. And it, it sounds maybe a little funny, but it's crucial that for us as Christians, a part of the community to speak in love when another person is wrestling with their faith. Yeah, Tacho, I really I really value all of these scriptures, and I think it's just such a good point to bring up um, how love calls us into these kind of communications with each other, to, to have the real talks, to mm-hmm. say the things that need to be said. And, and I love that it's all been framed so far as because we're family. Like yeah. we, we mm-hmm. do these things because we're family. And I think when you think about a family, it, the relationships are indispensable. I only have one sister. I can't just like <laughs> find a new one yeah. if I don't like her or if we disagree on something. Like we've got to work it out. Yeah. And I right. think about the so many of these one another scriptures that are mentioned in the New Testament call us to the same thing because we're family. We don't yeah. just get to pick a new brother and sister if this one doesn't work out. Like we've got to engage in these conversations because these are the only ones we've got. And this is the family of God that he has called us to. What a powerful point. I've never even really thought about it that way. Of but it, it brings to like the scripture, of course, you know, the, the hand the, the the hand cannot say to the eye or Yeah, the yeah. eye cannot say to the yeah, hand. The I eye need cannot you. say to the hand, I don't need you. Um that's really what he means. Like you can't you don't just get to pick all over again, like, oh you know what, I don't I don't like this hand in poker. <laughs> it's not can working I, out. Yeah, yeah, can you give me let's... another draw? You know what I mean? That's not how it works. And so um these scriptures were written, all these one another scriptures that you mentioned are so like they're so important in our walk because God knows we're going to have conflict. Yeah. And that's the point of like, like we've been talking, it adds color and riches to our community. There's conflict that God allows to bring about because it's going to draw us deeper. There's conflict that allows us to bring out because it's going to point out things in our heart or it's going to allow us to, Hey, let me dive in and and help you. And, And I think the call to, to, Make sure that we we make the most of those opportunities to speak to one another in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can help each other with. There's really nothing that we can't talk about if we don't say it in love. Yeah, yeah. I think about even my own marriage. I mean, there's been plenty of times when I've had. I mean, sure, my point is correct. My wife did something wrong. You know, maybe she gave me a funny look or whatever, and I'm right in saying, "Hey, you should have done that." But I've also said it not in love plenty of times. Yeah. And that never works. Yeah. It never works. It doesn't matter what I'm going to tell her because the message isn't set in love. It's it's set in spite and in anger. And, but when I turn around and I say, hey, can, can we talk? I don't want to say this in love. I, I say this because I love you. That's such a big difference. It's such a huge step forward in the right direction that we really do help one another. And we fulfill the calling of the scriptures, which is to really love one another. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and I, I want this to be a part of our chapter on wrestling with man, because I think about the times where I've wrestled with parts of my character, in particular, my pride, where I see something in my life. And it's one thing to like quietly go away on my own and do some nice little Bible study (laughs) on my pride. It's another thing when a friend that loves me goes, bro, you are being proud. And I've had that in my life from, from Nick Ziegler in particular, who has really sat me down and talked to me about what he's seen Mm. in my character. And I look back at those conversations and though they're hard in the moment, I can now look back at those times and go, man, those were some of the most transformative times in my faith. And God knows that. God knows that we can't always see everything clearly when we're looking at ourselves. We need other people to say things in love. And I'm I'm talking about all of this because we we know each other, right? We keep talking about family. We see each other's good sides. We also see each other's bad sides. Yeah. And sometimes we're unaware of those bad sides. And we can't just go, ah, well, I, just, I, I don't want to step on toes. So I'm just not going to say anything about that. We have to be willing to go, man, I love you too much to not point this out. And mm-hmm. I love you too much to not speak the truth and correct you in this area. Yeah. And it made me think when you're talking about this, it, it made me thought of uh, Timothy Keller's book, The Art of Self-Forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. And the idea of an inflated ego leads to when some people start to make comments on my life about my character, I'm like 
mortally wounded by yeah. what they said or something, <laughs> or I react or I find myself getting angry and disagreeing. And it makes me think about, um, and I, maybe a little challenge also for our listeners, um, because, uh, there was a time when you brought forth pride in my life and my initial knee jerk reaction was to disagree with you and to either a blame it on the circumstance or blame it on my wife or tell you that you don't understand. Mm. And I remember that conversation. It was so pivotal in my walk with God where you were like, no, 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 <laughs> let's stop. Let me just, let's just take a look at the scriptures. You need to see this. And I'm saying this in love and and you kind of stopped me in my tracks. And, and it was such a pivotal moment for me. I think it was last year and it just, it changed my walk with God. It, it, like I was wearing my pride, like a necklace and I didn't even know. Yeah. And that oh happens. man, and it was so humbling. And I'm so grateful for the grace that both you and Hannah were able to talk to me as, as we talked about it. But I think when I read that short little book, The Art of Self-Forgetfulness, mm-hmm. I think what it showed me was that like when people would bring up things in my life and I was being sensitive and I couldn't do it, or maybe I'd walk out on conversations and just, I just didn't agree with anything they said, yeah. man, it really showed <laughs> me that actually, no, Joshua, you're, you're creating enemies out of your own pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even in saying that, I think it's good if you're listening to this podcast and maybe you've had some conversations with people and they've brought up stuff in your life and your first thought was, how can I respond with a rebuttal? How can I disagree? Mm. How do I not see that? I want to challenge you right now. If that's the case, I think you should definitely take a deeper look into how pride yeah. can affect your circumstances. Yeah. Or whatever it is that you whatever be it is. Cause I was there. I was totally there. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up such a good point because you brought up the overinflated ego. This is exactly where things start to tie in, hopefully in a way that makes sense. Mm. We started the series off with wrestling with your ego. And one of the things that we said was, look, we're starting here because you can't wrestle with God or man if your ego is overinflated. Right. Right. You'll become right in your own eyes and everyone else is the problem. Everyone else is the offender when it's like, no, we have to make sure that our egos are in check so that we can properly wrestle with God and wrestle with man. Absolutely. And one of the things that you're now alluding to, we've talked a lot about speaking the truth in love. Now let's talk about listening in love. So mm. I want to read a few more scriptures here. James, nice. or sorry, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. I'm just going to kind of go down the list here. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Mm. Proverbs 12, 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Jeez, James 1, 19 and 20, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Gosh, how many times when someone brings something up in our character are we tempted with anger? Yeah. Why are you saying this? No, bro, you and whatever. And and that's that is my reaction. Mm-hmm. When yeah. something is brought up into my life, I, I already have a rebuttal in my head or I want to blame I feel myself like physically getting hot and yeah. tense. Like yeah. it's yep, yep, anger yep, yep. that happens and we have to be able to listen in love. Yeah. What I mean by that is my brother or my sister, they love me. They want what's best for me, so let me listen. And it takes so much courage for people to point things out. Those are some of the most difficult conversations that we could potentially ever have in our lives. Like that's a scary, vulnerable place to put Absolutely. ourselves in when we when we bring something up in someone else's character. But we have to remember on the receiving end, this person's doing it because mm-hmm. they love me. And this is the whole point of love. First Corinthians 13, love always trusts. When we trust that this person loves me and wants what's best for me, Mm -hmm. we listen. And I think, I mean, I love that you brought up trust at the end there, because I think what also this good, good biblical listening takes is a trust that the spirit is working in other people. That, that the spirit has placed things on people's hearts. Like people don't just like roam around aimlessly criticizing like it that's just such a rare personality type usually when people have brought things up to my in my life it's been careful consideration Mm -hmm. there's been prayer they've thought about it Mm -hmm. and for me to just dismiss it and say well they said that weird 
or I didn't like the way that came across, or she had a funny look or a weird tone. I completely dismiss the work of the spirit in someone else's life and the work of the spirit in our relationship. I mean, Jesus says where two or more are gathered, he's there. Like Jesus is is in these type of conversations as well. And I think when we we dismiss it for the small ways that it was executed, we can really miss what the spirit's trying to do in our lives. Right. That's such a good point of listening to the Spirit. I appreciate you saying that because the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, Mm. peace, Mm -hmm. kindness, forbearance. Yeah. Mm. And I think that the fruit of the Spirit is that we bear with one another in love. Yep. If you are, if, now, I want to hesitate from even talking about anyone else but myself. (laughs) If I'm quick to, oh, that conversation rubbed me the wrong way, so therefore I'm going to start to break ties, that follows the sins of the flesh, which is dissension. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm going to break things off. I'm going to form factions. And even we form little tiny factions in my heart, you know? Yep. And I think um, what you're saying here, in the, it, a cool thing to highlight, I think even Hannah, what you said was in the story of Jacob and Esau, we have the character of Jacob, we have the character of Esau, but the character of the spirit is at work in that story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we forget that, um, you know, although we, fo- we follow Jacob, Esau's life, I'm, I'm sure the spirit was involved in speaking to him and growing with him as he went on. And I think mm-hmm. in this, in the, also in the same story of the prodigal son, the, the spirit is at work in that passage. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of the scripture in Job 32. Um, Elihu responds to this conversation that Job is having with his older friends. And although Elihu is young, he speaks up and he says, mm-hmm. I am young in years and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom, but it is the spirit in a person, the breath Mm. of the Almighty that gives them understanding. Yes. It is not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. And I think this scripture to me is so edifying to our fellowship and to our brotherhood and sisterhood that we have with one another. Because like you said, Hannah, we need to listen to the spirit in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the spirit's going to call us to listen to one another. Absolutely. I'm so glad you read that scripture because, man, I love Dave's point last time on needing mentors in our life that are mm. older, that have been around yeah. the church for 40, 50 years. Gosh, do we need that? I, I, I'll you know go to my grave saying that. On the other hand, I think something as a 27-year-old and friends that are also late 20s, early 30s, I think sometimes we can jump to the mentors or to the older people, like the scripture yeah. said, well, only this person can help me, where it's like, no, the, the, the spirit of God isn't all of us who have repented and been baptized and followed Jesus. So we can certainly help each other wrestle in our faith. Right. We can certainly point things out and rebuke each other, correct each other, encourage one another mm-hmm. and teach each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, we need the older people in our lives, but we, we can't ever underestimate the spirit of God working in other people our age. Yeah. Yeah, Tacho, that is such a good point. You know, I, I think sometimes what I can be tempted to want to do is discredit the people who haven't had the exact same life experience that I have had. Mm-hmm. And I really limit my pool of who's able to speak truth into my life. You have to be older. You have to have been married X amount of years. You have to have X amount of children to be able to advise me in these ways. And it was just last night, I was at dinner with a friend and I was having some issues with Eden in parenting. And I asked her because, and she's a single girl, um, not a mom, but she's a teacher. And so Mm. she knows things about kids. And so I was asking her um, just some advice about parenting and she gave me some of the best advice. And I just think like, had I discredited her because she's not a mom or she's not married or she's not in my exact same shoes, I would have missed out on some really valuable truths. And I think sometimes we can do that as well. We'll listen to the person 50 mm-hmm. years older than us, but we won't listen to our best friend who's yeah, like walked alongside crazy. us for the last few years. And of course, they're going to know things about you and see things in your character. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to bring this in for a landing. We could talk about these concepts all day and not just concepts, man, this is, this is real Practices. life. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, but I just want to summarize all of this by saying, look, we're going to wrestle with man. Like that's mm-hmm. a no brainer. Part of that is forgiving and reconciling when possible, right? When we've been hurt, 
and also owning and apologizing when we've hurt other people, all of that, reconciliation, forgiveness, owning, apologizing, that's a massive part of wrestling with man. The other part that we're now talking about is letting people wrestle with us, mm-hmm. right? And and engaging in the wrestling match with other, being loving enough to speak the truth when we see it in our friends who are wrestling in their faith, parts of their character, but also loving enough to listen when people bring things up. Mm-hmm. And of course, there are always more things we can talk about, but I think this really hits a lot of important parts of wrestling with man. Yeah. Wrestling with men is a vast subject, and we're aware of that. And we know that we didn't touch on everything today, but following the story of Jacob, it truly is encouraging to see how he chose to do it mm-hmm. in the end and the blessings that God brought him. And just so our listeners know, we do have a part two to this discussion that will be coming um, next episode. We're excited to have Hervé and Janet Florent on the podcast. Yeah, uh, We're going to be talking about the hot topic of church hurts. Ooh, okay. So we understand that there's, you know, hey, things don't go always go right in the kingdom of God and yeah. we hurt each other. So we're going to really uh, get a chance to sit at their feet and listen to their wisdom. And I'm excited for that episode coming up. But for now, that is it. And thank you guys for listening to the Wrestling With Faith podcast. We will see you guys next time. See Thanks, you guys. next see time. Y'all. As we close out today, I want to invite you to respond to this passage in Genesis. Maybe there's someone that you need to forgive Maybe there's someone that you've hurt that you need to listen to and apologize for what's happened. Regardless of your situation, I wanna encourage you that the spirit is at work. It's time for you to mend what is broken. I know it's not easy. Maybe it won't happen in one conversation, but begin the process, pray about it, journal about it, get some advice, and ultimately take action, have the conversation. Follow Jacob's example and Esau's example by offering sincere apologies and giving sincere forgiveness, ultimately following what God wants us to do, which is mending what's been broken. And lastly, is there someone who you need to speak the truth and love in? We're a community, we're family. So if there's something that you need to say to someone, maybe you've noticed something in their character, say it in love. Offer it with scripture and let them know that it's because you love them that you want to talk to them about something you've seen. Let's be a community of people that helps one another, encourages one another, and stirs one another to be more like Christ. And of course, on the opposite way, if someone's come to you and has offered something, maybe something you can grow in in your character, maybe they were trying to just point something out that they've seen, take a look at these passages. If you brushed them off and didn't listen to them, it's time to go back and have a conversation with them. Listen to them. Remember, it's just advice. We don't give orders. We're helping one another be more like Christ. It's great to listen to one another. Let's close out today with a prayer. Lord, you're good. Thank you for your forgiveness in our lives. Help us to be more like you and to offer that same forgiveness and reconciliation to those around us. I know you're at work, God, in our community. Thank you for how you move in powerful ways and how your spirit is loving and kind, joyful and patient, peaceful. Help us to follow your prompting in our life and to listen to you where you want us to go. Thank you for Jesus who gives us the ultimate example of how we should live our lives. Help us to be more like him. And in his name, amen. That's it for the Wrestling With Faith podcast. We'll see you guys next time.